my heart has been that as we talk about the end times and uh, that we, first of all, we, we share what Scripture says about it. And, and I, I'm going to share with you today, like the last couple weeks, what I believe based upon my study of Scripture, uh, other people who, who studied even more than I do, uh, and things that they have to say. Uh, I, I realize there's differing opinions and beliefs on some of this. That's fine. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about today, you will never know if I'm right or wrong. Okay, because we won't be here for a lot of it. So um, I can say anything. Nah, um, you know. So just, just know this is my heart. I want us to have a real peace about what's about to happen in the world uh, because that's what God wants for us. So, um, so today should be exciting, uh, just like last week was, uh, because I, I want to put some things into perspective for all of us so that we aren't fearful. You don't need to fear what the future holds for all of us. Uh, let's start with this verse in the Old Testament. You have it in your notes. It's Amos 3.7. Now, I don't think he was Amish, but this is a, a prophet of the Old Testament. Okay, here's what he said. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. So in other words, God tells us what he's going to do in the future, but he also tells us what we need to know about what will happen in the future. Matter of fact, concerning the subject of the second coming of Jesus Christ, in the Old Testament alone, there's over 1,500 scripture verses about the second coming. And in the New Testament, one out of every 25 verses talks about the second coming of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's a pretty big deal. If God's going to take the time to tell us and to warn us and to give us insight about what's going to happen in the future, I think it would be good for us to pay attention, at least a little bit. So that's what we're going to do. All right, so today I want to try to answer some questions that you may have. Uh, I might, give, I might <laughs> give you more questions, <laughs> actually. But what, what has happened is, for many of us, including myself over the years, I've had bits and pieces of information about certain things from the end times, but they were never the dots were never really connected. So I want to try to connect some dots this morning and put things into context of how things most likely, uh, possibly will happen as the end comes near. So let's start with this. Last week we talked about the rapture, uh, which will simply be this, is that Jesus Christ appears in the sky. Those of us who are Christians and we're alive and or we have already passed away, we will all meet Jesus simultaneously in the flash of an eye in the air and we'll go back to be with him in heaven at that very moment. And so for a split second, think about this, for a split second at that exact moment there will be no Christians on the earth. They will all be gone. But... The world is going to be in utter chaos because at that exact moment, about two billion-ish people are going to completely just vanish just like that, just gone instantly, and nobody's going to know what happened. Here's what somebody wrote about, um, wrote about this, and I'm going to read parts of it. It said, 
there's going to be a mass catastrophe because calamities all around the world follow in the moments that pass the rapture. Jumbo jets are going to plummet to the earth as they no longer have a pilot in the cockpit. There's going to be buses and trains, subways, trucks, and cars driving down the highway who instantly have no driver. That's going to be crazy. Classrooms are going to suddenly be without a teacher and the students. Just instantly they're gone. Prisons are going to go into utter chaos because if there are any Christian guards, they're instantly going to be gone and they're going to leave their stations where they're guarding people. Here, here's an in, Just picture this one. I mean, there's nothing funny about this. It's just interesting. Doctors and nurses are suddenly going to vanish in the middle of a surgery. So will some patients. Instantly gone, just like that. Um, children are just going to disappear from their beds, from everywhere. People were going to run through the streets looking for family members who were just moments, who were there just moments ago. So, in other words, in every area of life all around the planet, instantaneously, simultaneously, there are people that will just vanish instantly. They're just gone. Even in the middle of a church service. Now that could get awkward if you're still here. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just saying. Especially if it's the guy up here. <laughs> All right. Panic is going to grip every household, every community, every city, every nation. The whole planet is going to be nothing but chaos. Because people that are left behind will not see what just happened. Okay, They will not see the rapture. They will just see what isn't there anymore. And that's a lot of people. Political leaders and the media, they're going to have a hard time explaining this stuff. Okay, even, uh, even if they have a clue that it was the rapture, they're still going to explain it some other way. As in, I don't know, it was alien abduction. Alien invasion, and they took everybody all at once, right? I mean, think about this. this is, some things make you scratch your head a little bit. Right now, the media and the politicians are obsessed with UFO sightings. You notice that? Because in just a couple weeks, the Pentagon is supposed to be releasing classified documents that detail evidence of UFOs. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? So, but here's the idea. Yet millions of people are going to have a clue as to what happened because they remember hearing about this in Sunday school from their childhood. So, let's start off. I actually have some blanks for you to fill in this week. I know we've been dying to get back to these blanks. So, Okay, first, I'm going to give you some good news, some bad news, and then back to some good news. Is that all right? We're going to start and finish with good news, but we have to also cover some of the not-so-good stuff. Number one is this. The tribulation is going to trigger a global revival. A global revival. During the tribulation, there's going to be millions and millions and millions of people that are going to put their faith in Jesus Christ and get saved. 
and it's going to be the great revival and awakening, that biggest one that's ever happened on this planet. It's, and for many of those, it's going to be people that were exposed to religion and even practice religion, but they had never yet made the decision to follow Jesus. And guess what? They get a second chance. And what's going to happen is one of the common comments that will be said throughout the tribulation, especially at the very beginning, they're going to, a lot of people are going to say, oh man, what if they were right? You, you, you know what I'm talking about? They're going to remember conversations that friends of theirs had with them, Christians, who warned them about this day, and they're going to, oh no, what if they were right? Here's the thing. This is why it is so important, why the truth is so important. It's important for you to know the truth. It's important for you to believe the truth. It's important for you to base the truth because there are consequences for not believing truth. And this is going to be one of those for many, many, many people. And at the same time, millions and millions of Jews are going to become believers. Why? Because they're going to realize all of a sudden that they missed the first coming of Jesus Christ. They're still waiting for that. And they're going to realize, oops, they were right. And there's going to be this mass revival among Jews that's going to lead the way. Now, many people would say that this great revival that we're talking about is going to happen prior to the rapture. Okay, It may, I don't know for sure, but... According to Matthew chapter 24, according to Thessalonians, according to Timothy, just before the rapture, there's going to be this, what they call the great falling away. There's going to be people abandoning their faith, walking away from church, walking away from God just before the rapture. That's why it, after the rapture happens, I believe, is the great, great revival uh, on this planet. In Revelation, let's go to the next verse. Revelation 7, verse 4 says this. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. Now, this number represents Jews. They're representative of the 12 tribes of Jews from the Old Testament that represent the rest of the Jewish nation around the world. And it said, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It says there were too many to count. A multitude. Now, this is talking about, this is a vision that God gave to the Apostle John, who wrote these down, he wrote the book of Revelation, recording what he was seeing, a vision. And the vision that he is seeing are those people who became believers in the tribulation. There were more than you could count standing around the throne worshiping God. And it's, and it's, the, harvest of the, it's the harvest of the great revival that is, that is um, kicked off by the Jews the 144,000 Jews that become evangelists to the whole world is who these part of who these people are. Now, let's go to the next verse, and I want to explain this one. Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus says this, And this gospel of the kingdom 
will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. All right, there's two things, and both of these are, I want to explain these. Many people believe that before the rapture, everybody on the planet's going to hear about the gospel. Other people think, no, at the end, the end will come is actually at the end. Not, in the, not at the beginning of the end, but the end, the second coming of Jesus Christ. When he comes and puts an end to the things here on the earth. All the evil and all the deception, everything. So whether it's before the rapture or just before the second coming, we don't know for sure. But then it says all nations will hear. Now I remember years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, when, when you heard this verse and it was preached on, the thought was, well, if the whole world is going to hear the gospel, then we need to send missionaries to every people group in the whole world so that they hear. And we're not there yet. There are still a thousand-ish people groups on the planet that have, quote, not heard because nobody's been there to tell them. However, in the last few years, that strategy has changed. We call it the Internet. The Internet means you don't have to step foot somewhere in order to preach the gospel to someone, right? I mean, look at Zoom. <laughs> and look at, right now, throughout the whole world, people have Internet access in places that you're going, really? Way out here? Uh, in, in our first service, we, we have somebody named David Haig. And he spent quite a few years in Indonesia, in Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, out in the mountains, out in the middle of nowhere. And he went to help set up radios, solar-powered radios, and internet access to some of the most remote places in Indonesia. That's happening all over the world. You've probably heard of a guy named Elon Musk, right? The Tesla guy, pretty wealthy. He's got a few bucks. Anyways, he... He, he owns some rockets, too. Okay? And over the last few years, he's been shooting into the air the Falcon X rocket. And every time it goes up, it has a full payload. You know what's on part, some of what's in those rockets? Satellites. They're about the size of a tabletop. They weigh 500 pounds. And he, he has said recently that he, by the end of 2021, seven months from now... <laughs> He will have 42,000-plus satellites circling the planet so that every square inch of this planet will have Internet access. He's going to have an Internet service called Starlink Internet, and every person, think about it, every person on this planet will have access to the Internet, which will have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is happening before our eyes. Yeah, praise God. So this is a reality with right now, in this moment. This can be fulfilled in no, in no time at all. Okay? So, that is, uh, let, that's number one. Let's go to point number two. Okay? We, got, we can't talk about the tribulation without some, getting into some bad news. And because of the tribulation, it will be a time of wrath and judgment of God on the earth. The wrath, the wrath and judgment of God on the earth. But I want you to remember this. This is very important for everything that you're going through right now in life. God always has the last word. And he will at the end of time. He will have the last word. That is what the wrath and the judgment and the tribulation is all about. 
You know, have your, have your kids ever said something? They had a really fun day, you know, have, and they said something like, this has been the best day ever. You ever hear that? You're going, cool. Is that all it took? Anyways, okay. but when we think about the tribulation, it's going to be the worst time ever on this planet, unfortunately. Now, remember this. I, I talked about this the first week. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, from chapter 4 until chapter 22, which is the last chapter of the book, which is the last chapter of the Bible, it, it, it's all about describing what happens in the tribulation, but also the second coming of Jesus Christ. It, it explains all that. Now, it gets, if you've ever read it, it gets a little weird. All right? There's a lot of allegory, there's a lot of imagery, uh, there's a lot of skipping around, it's not all in chronological order, uh, there's a lot of creatures, and there's a lot of chaos that happens there in this. So, at the beginning of the tribulation, think about this. What's going to happen on this planet when instantly about two billion or so people just disappear? Chaos, right? Utter chaos on this planet. Well, what's going to happen is there's going to be a world leader, somebody that everybody's familiar with is going to stand up. We're going to see it all because we can watch TV at the same time all over the planet. He's going to stand up and he's going to say, time out, everybody. <laughs> I know this is really challenging. We're working on an explanation. Uh, but in the meantime, everybody relax. Let's just have calm. Let's have peace. And we're going to take care of this. It's going to be okay. Everybody's going to go, oh, okay, thank you for saving us. Okay, that somebody's going to show up and say that and do that globally. So the first half of the tribulation, he will appear to be a peacemaker. Okay, okay, good, good. He's, he's calming everything down. Um, and he, but he's also going to implement what we used to call the new world order. Remember, you've heard of that, right? Well, the new word for that is globalism. Basically, that represents a, a global system. It's going to be a, there's going to be a global leader. There's going, to be a global, there's going to be global laws, a global economy, global commerce, a global currency, as probably in the form of a digital currency. Uh, there's going to be a global military, global health care. And right now, all of that is being set up before our eyes. You may have heard the term, the Great Reset. Anybody ever hear that? All right? Beware. I mean, it's happening. It's going to happen eventually. What does that do? It basically takes and begins to implement a global system of everything, is what the Great Reset does. Now, do I have to be afraid? Not one bit. Don't worry about it. It'll happen. But in the middle of that, we can just know, wow. It is really close to the rapture. It is really, really close when that begins to be implemented. And this leader, which is going to be the Antichrist with a capital A, there's going to be many other Antichrists with a lowercase a. This is going to be him. This is it. He's going to be the Antichrist. He's going to deceive the world for the first half of the tribulation, three and a half years. And then at the end of the war, that we talked about this the first week, where 10 nations, Muslim nations, are going to come together as a coalition. They're going to wage a war against Israel. Israel's going to, they're going to hold their own. And in the middle of that, this leader is going to go, wait, time out, time out. 
and he's going to develop a peace treaty between Israel and the rest of the world. A seven-year peace treaty is going to happen. Well, halfway through this tribulation, three and a half years, uh, he's going to commit what we call the, the abomination that leads to desolation. All right, we read about this in Daniel chapter 9, Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13. And what he's going to do is he's going to bring an end to sacrifices and worship in the temple that is going to be rebuilt on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And he's going to end the sacrifices. He's going to set himself up in the middle on the altar of the temple. He's going to set himself up as God. And he's going to demand that the world recognize him as God and worship him as God. At that moment, we're going to see the real Antichrist and the beast that he is. Before that, he's going to have a lot of people deceived. Now, what are, what are some of the things that make the, the tribulation so bad? Well, I put a couple highlight, little headlines in your notes. Uh, in Reve, throughout the book of Revelation, we see that there are, there are seven seals, there are seven trumpets, and seven bowls. You find those in, in, uh, in each one of those, seals of judgment, trumpets of judgment, and uh, bowls of judgment. Uh, and you can, there's references there. But I want to give you an example of the bowls. That's, that's toward the end. It's going to be really, really bad. Uh, one of those bowls that gets poured out is going to be painful, bitter sores, physical sores on people's body, but it's only going to affect the people who have the mark of the beast and who worship the beast. All right? and they're going to want to die. It's so bad, they're just going to want to die. And uh, many of them won't be able to. It's going to be so sore. And the next one, I talked about this last week. One of the bowls that's poured out is going to turn all of the water on the planet, all the seas, all the oceans, the rivers and the lakes, all the creeks and streams, going to turn it into blood. And all, every creature, every animal that lives in water is going to die. <laughs> and you thought red tide was bad. Okay. They're just going to die. It's going to be horrible. Uh, the Euphrates River. Look on a map. It runs through the Middle East from Iraq all the way up through Syria. And what it does, it divides Israel and some land here against the eastern part of the Middle East and Asia. It's a big river. And what's going to happen? That's going to dry up. And what does that mean? It means that all these nations from the east will have access now to come to Israel uninhibited and will be able to set up and prepare for the end war of all wars. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then one of the bowls that's poured out is earthquakes and hailstorms. And it says it, there, it, there's never been any earthquakes or hailstorms like it. Matter of fact, some of the hailstones are going to weigh as much as 100 pounds. That could leave a mark, okay? A big one. You do not want to try to dodge those. Anyways, now, I want to talk a little bit about population. You know, how many people are going to be affected with this? I, just doing some calculating from what Scripture says. Right now, uh, we have the population of the world is just bumping 8 billion. We're just almost to 8 billion. So if the rapture happens in the next however long, we're, we're talking around eight, around 8 billion people on the planet. Well, if, if the, when the rapture happens, I mean, they tell us, studies and whatever tell us that anywhere from a fourth to a third 
of the people on the planet right now would, would, confess, would profess Christianity. They would be Christians. So let's go to the low number. One-fourth of the population uh, is raptured with, with Jesus when, it, when the rapture happens. So that takes away about two billion people instantly that just leave the planet, which leaves us with six. Well, in the first half of the tribulation, it says that one-third of mankind dies. So one-third of six leaves us down to four. So halfway through the tribulation, we're down to half the population that it started before the rapture. Second half of the tribulation, it says that a fourth of mankind dies from what was left at that point, which is about another billion people, which leaves us with three. Now, one thing they don't mention a lot is that during the tribulation, there's going to be a lot of wars and a lot of chaos, a lot of crime. But there's also going to be millions and millions of believers that get martyred for their faith. I mean, we're talking maybe at least half a billion people. So in the end, by the time, by the, time the tribulation is over and the second coming of Christ comes, you're barely going to have two to two and a half billion people on the planet. Now, it's still a lot of people. But that's going to be the population during, at the end of the tribulation. Now, I know I'm hopefully not boring you too much. I'm just trying to give you an idea of what that's going to be like. Now, I also want to talk about several subjects that sometimes get confusing. We've heard about some of these, but we've never heard the context for them. One of them is uh, the witness, two witnesses. Anybody ever hear of those guys? Okay, during the beginning of the tribulation, there are going to be two witnesses that supernaturally show up on the scene. The world's going to see them. How does the world see them? Well, basically, you have the media, right? You can have instant access to live news anywhere all the time on the planet. These two guys are going to show up. We don't know who they are. Some speculate that it's, uh, that it's Enoch and Elijah, who had never actually died, who just went to heaven. They're coming back as those. We don't know. Anyways, they're going to have supernatural power. They're going to be witnesses. They're going to prophesy. They're going to, they're going to be witnesses to the whole world about God himself. And uh, you won't be able to touch it. For three and a half years, they're going to have supernatural power. And nobody will be able to touch them or hurt them. However, after three and a half years, when the, the Antichrist is really revealed for who he is, he's going to attack them and kill them. And they're going to lay in the streets of Jerusalem dead for three and a half days while the whole world is watching. Cameras are going to be locked on them for three and a half days. The world is watching the whole time and rejoicing. Finally, you got those crazies off the street. Well, not really, but they're still on the street. But they're dead, right? Guess what? Three and a half days they're going to come back to life in front of everybody. They're going to come back to life, and instantly God's going to take them back up into heaven. That's the, that's the two prophets, the two witnesses that it talks about. Then let's get to the big one, okay? On that, it would be the mark of the beast. Many people are freaked out about this. I want to give you some, some hope and some calm with this one. So what is the mark, and what... what uh, what do I, need to, do I need to be worried about getting it is the big question that we hear a lot these days. So I'm going to share my belief based on Scripture, so I'm going to share some of this Scripture with you right now. Here we go. Revelation 13, verse 16. It says, he, who is he? He's the beast or the Antichrist. Same thing in this situation. 
He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead, one or the other, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing the name. And it says, wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. What does that mean? It's a human number. It's a number we all recognize. It's not cryptic. It is a number. And it says his number is 666, which is in direct contrast and an abomination and sacrilegious of the holy number of God, which is the number seven. On purpose, the devil picks that number in contrast to God's holy number, which is seven. Revelation 14 says this, Then a third angel followed him, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or who accepts the mark on his forehead or on the hand, must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured in full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. So you don't want it, obviously. And then in Revelation 19, it says this, And the beast was captured along with his false prophet. That is at the second coming. When Jesus comes back again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, The false prophets who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who accepted the mark of the beast and worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown in live into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now let me ask you this, in all seriousness. For those of you who are afraid of accidentally or unknowingly getting the mark of the beast, does it sound like the God of love, of mercy, of grace, that he would allow us, any one of us, his children, to accidentally, by mistake, get this mark, and then we be excluded from heaven and spend eternity in hell. Does that sound like our God? I mean, Jesus died on the cross for you and I, for our sins, to forgive us, to give us a new life, to give us a home in heaven. Everything that Jesus went through, and then you accidentally, by mistake, Blow it by receiving some kind of mark without realizing it. Folks, that's not going to happen. Be confident of that, okay? My belief, 100%, is that the mark of the beast will be an intentional decision made by deceived people during the tribulation demanded by the known Antichrist. People will know he's a really bad guy. He will demand it. People who are deceived will get it in order to buy, sell, and to participate in any kind of commerce or anything. They will know they're doing it because it will also identify you with the beast himself. You will know that you are not just getting a mark so that you can buy, sell things, you will know that you are saying, I now worship the beast as my God. It will be that intentional and that knowingly that you do that. How how it's administered and what it looks like, I don't know. Is it a chip? Is it a tattoo? 
I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know that one. Okay, it could be a lot of different things. But here's the thing. You, all of us here today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't need to worry about it. You won't be here. You will be raptured. You will be with Jesus Christ. We'll be at the marriage feast of the Lamb while all this is happening, and you won't need to make this decision. The only people affected will be those who are left behind during that time. Therefore, just let me say this, because <laughs> this has been a big deal for a lot of people. The COVID vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Okay, so relax. Now, that's, you know, that part of it you don't need to worry about. There is a however, though, okay? The however is the way that governments, the way that people, the way that businesses are using right now and are going to, get used to it, the vaccine passports is exactly the same way the mark of the beast is going to be used in the tribulation. Okay, just, just letting you know, just putting that out there, because I've heard a lot about that stuff lately, and, uh, which is one of the reasons I included that in this series. Um, so, that's the end of the bad news. There's a lot more, but I'm not going to talk about it, okay? Let's go to some good news again. Number three, point number three, is that the tribulation will end with the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ. In other words, it's what we've, we're all waiting for. We've been waiting for this. We, we've been waiting for the rapture. That will happen, but we'll ultimately go, I can't wait. I can't wait till that day. Jesus comes back. He's coming back again, but all the way to the, to the, glo to the earth. There's a day he's going to come back at the end of the tribulation. He's going to step foot on the earth on the top of the Mount of Olives. I'll read what happens here in a little bit. Matthew 24, Jesus says this. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Now, here's the thing. The rapture happens. Nobody sees it. We as Christians, we experience it. But when he shows up in the sky, the people of the earth, they don't know. People that don't get raptured, they won't know what happened. They'll just know many, many people just instantly disappeared. When Jesus comes back again in great power and glory, the world is going to see it, everybody, all at once, and they're going to go, oh, no, here he comes. They're going to know, and they're going to see his power, the power that Jesus demonstrates to defeat evil and to defeat sin and the, his enemies once and for all. And they're going to see him in his great glory. In the Bible, the word for glory is kabod, which means, which means heaviness, weightiness, awesomeness, immenseness. It's going to be awesome when Jesus returns. And the world is going to see it, and they're going to go, bummer. A lot worse than that. <laughs> they're going to know. They're, they're doomed. That's it. It's too late. Revelation 19 says this. Up here on the screen. Then I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and he wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and his head had many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. 
He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was, catch this, the Word of God. Now, the author of Revelation is the Apostle John, who also wrote the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Very first verse in the book of John is, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here he says, The name of the writer is the Word of God. Isn't that cool? He puts those two together. Awesome. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod, and he will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like, a ju like juice flowing from the winepress. On his robe and at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. That is our Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what it will be like when he shows up again. He'll be riding on a white horse. He will come with the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God, and the people who don't know him will tremble. But guess what? We're going to come back with Jesus. We're going to be with him. I don't know what it'll look like, whether we'll be hovering over, over above and going, and we'll be cheering him on as he fights the final battle, the battle to end all battles. So what is that going to look like? Let me quick give you some, some scripture about what, what many of us understand as the battle of the end. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 says this, Then the man of lawlessness, which is the Antichrist, will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Jesus is going to win the final battle simply by the breath and the words that come out of his mouth and his presence. It's going to be that awesome. People are just going to, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and that's it. In Zechariah 14, says this, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fought in times past. On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west, half the mountain on the north, the other half on the south. On that day, the sources of light will be no longer. They will no longer shine, yet there will be continuous day. Only the Lord knows how this will happen. There will be no normal day and night, for at that evening time, it will still be light, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord, and his name alone will be worshipped. It will be the Lord Jesus Christ. And hallelujah. That day's coming, folks. Let's go to Revelation 16. It says this. They are the spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. And they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Anybody hear that word? This is the preparation for the battle of Armageddon, which will be the battle of all battles. And what does it say here? The, the demons, the spirit of the Antichrist, going to go throughout the whole planet, the whole world, and he's going to gather the kings, the armies of all the nations, and they're going to come together in a place 
of Armageddon. Where is that? It's in north central Israel. Uh, it's called the Valley of Armageddon, the Valley of Jezreel, the Valley of Megiddo. It's about a 200 square mile area of nothing but wide open plain, and that is where the final battle is going to be fought. The problem is, these armies think they're going to fight Israel. Reality is, they're going to fight Jesus Christ. And it's not even going to be a battle because Jesus is going to win. And they're not even going to lift a sword or a gun or a cannon or a tank or a bomb. Jesus is going to kill them by the words coming out of his mouth and the power and the glory of his presence. It's going to be so one-sided, folks. <laughs> it's going to be no doubt who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's Jesus Christ. You know the cool thing? Because Jesus wins, we win. We win. You've, you've probably heard preachers stand up and say, it's going to be okay because I read the back of the book and we win, right? This is it. This is exactly what we're talking about because in the end, no matter how bad it gets on this earth, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter all your troubles, your hardships, Jesus comes back. He takes us with him. He returns. We're, we're with him again. We're watching. He wins. We win once and for all. Jesus always has the last word, and he will have it at the end of time. Why do we talk about the tribulation? Okay, it's a crazy time. Well, because it should be an alarm, maybe a warning for us about the urgency of where we are as a world right now. I really believe 100% that we're close. There has no, I mean, for a couple thousand years, people thought they were close, right? But the events that we're seeing happen right now in the last years and how close and how intense the labor pains that Jesus talked about before the birth, which is the rapture are happening, it, it's, we're getting really, really close. There's so many things that are telling us, there are signs that we are on the verge of something really big. And that really big, I believe, is the rapture of the church. And it should, be, it should be a call to urgency for us to think about the people that we really love. Your family members, your friends, your classmates, the people you work with, your neighbors, the people you talk to a lot. And you're not sure, or you're pretty sure. They don't know, Lord. If they died, you're not sure that they'd go to heaven. If the rapture would happen, you're not sure they'd go along. And you see what's going to happen those seven years of the tribulation, after the rapture, and you go, man, I wouldn't want anybody I know and love to have to go through that. You wouldn't. It'd be a good time to warn them. But I wouldn't go tell them everything I just preached on. Not a good idea. Okay? You just say, look, I, just, I need to share something with you because I really care about you. You know, God really loves you. God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for his life. Jesus, his son, died on the cross for you. However you say it, but you help people to understand that Jesus Christ 
died on the cross, he rose again. If we believe in him, we have salvation. That is, there's, there's just an urgency about that right now on this planet for us. Here's what Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, the first part of this next scripture. And we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. And he will. That is the rapture of Jesus Christ. And that will be the second coming as well. So, here, here's my, my whole disclaimer for the whole series we've done. Is my hope and my prayer and my motivation for doing this series is simply that, it, first of all, it helps you to clarify a little bit. So that when you think about the end times, it isn't just a bunch of weird thoughts running through your mind. That causes you fear that causes you stress, that causes you worry. You know, you're worried, well, what will this do? What if I do this? What, all these things. That we can have confidence, that we can have hope, that we can have peace about tomorrow, today and tomorrow and the, and the future. That's been my hope. I, ho I hope, I hope, <laughs> I hope you have hope because of this. That's my goal. Like I said before, I don't have the final answer on any of this stuff. I'm just sharing what I understand from Scripture and other people who've taught much better than I have. But I hope it's clarified some things for you. But most of all, I, I hope it gives you a real sense of confidence that says, you know what, every day you wake up and you go, well, I'm one day closer to Jesus coming back. And I'm so excited. Whether I leave the earth my body dies, I'll be with him. Or whether I'm alive when he comes back, I will be with him. So that's, there's two things to wrap up with this morning. First of all, are you confident that you will go? Are you confident of your future and of your salvation? If Jesus came back today, would you go? Do you know that for a fact? You can know that. The other question is, how about the people around you? It's one thing for you to know, I'm good, I can't wait, but what about the people? Do you, have, do you have a heart and do you have a conviction about people around you that maybe don't know? That is also the big question. So let's stand together as we wrap up. Let's bow our heads. What is God speaking to you right now? Those of you watching online as well, what, is, what do you sense God is telling you in this moment? Maybe, maybe he's just encouraging you and you just sense, you have this sense of peace that's just overwhelming you right now that it's going to be okay. Or maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're not sure that if Jesus came back today right now that you'd be a part of that. Or maybe God is saying, you know what, you've been gone for a while. It's time to come back. You used to have a relationship with me, God is saying. We used to have fellowship. We used to have this intimacy, but uh, we're not there anymore. Right now, God is waiting with open arms to welcome you back into his presence and into fellowship with him. So you just talk to God. What is it that you need? What is God speaking to you right now?